Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. I am, of course, the Wookiee. With me tonight, I have my stalwart compatriot in Mike. Good evening. Good evening, Wookiee, and good evening, audience. And yes, you're going to have to put up with me again. That's, uh, that's, that's okay, Mike. I think we can handle that. Um, and joining us uh, for the first time, I think, this, uh, this season in particular, Shandor. Oh, was I that memorable, man? I think this is my third. Well, uh, not since the season has started, though. Okay, no, that's fair. That's yeah. fair, my bad. You know, we're not as good as some other podcasts he does, you know. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Shan Dog. In, uh, I, I do have one uh, request for you. Now, in the absence of one of our esteemed members, I'm going to have to get you to do a shout-out in that typical uh, 1940s voiceover that you do. Just to <laughs> let Mess know that we are thinking of him. <laughs> Surely. Hi, Messi. Uh, fortunately, you couldn't be with us today, but uh, we wish you all the best, and sorry your internet sucks. Welcome to Australia. It, it does amuse me. I mean, he's telling us that he's on 3G, and of course, a, a couple of years ago, I did whole podcast recordings on 3G. But um, anyway, apparently, he's too chicken to face up to the fact that his team's no longer favourites for the flag. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But first off, guys, what did you uh, what, what caught your eye this weekend? Mess? Uh, not messing your Mike. I do that all the time. <sighs> oh, look, I think one of the talking points was uh, Essen winning a game of Essen uh, doing the unexpected. And uh, how many more times are we going to see Essen do the unexpected, I think? Um, so that was one of the things that caught my mind or caught my eye was to see them actually win a game um, that was probably baked as unwinnable or touted as unwinnable for them and, and a sure victory for Melbourne. Um, what else? Um, I, I'm starting to see, you know, a wider gap in this year's teams um, compared to last year. I think it's going to be a wider field compared to last year. It won't be down to a few favourites as it was uh, Frio West Coast in Hawthorne. I think there'll be a lot more teams in contention this year. Yes. Um, for me, I reckon, um, having watched the, the Sydney and Carlton game very closely, I couldn't believe just how good Sydney looked. And I'm sure everyone out there is going to go, well, actually, Carlton are quite shit. But I don't think that was really the case. I think uh, a few people on our board have been talking about how uh, we got done by 10 goals, but if this was Carlton last year playing the same team, same Sydney team, we would have got done by uh, 100 points. Um, they were ridiculously good, and um, I thought they were going to be on the slide, but they've they've started really well for this season. Um, and, yeah, how terrible Frio is as well. Frio's a bit of a worry, I think, Um for Frio, at least. I mean, not for anyone who's not a Frio supporter, but you'd be, you'd be a little concerned if you're a Frio supporter at the moment, I think. Um, well, looking... Pe- sorry, sorry to interrupt, but looking at history and, and data that's there is that a team who has lost the first two games has not finished in the top eight. Was it top four or top eight? Top eight. Wow. Yeah. yeah there goes Carlton as well, then. Well, were we ever... <laughs> <laughs> not finishing the top eight that season. So, I mean, look, that's not to say that it can't be uh, rewritten, but if, if, if history is anything to go by, I don't, we might not be seeing Freo this year in the finals. Yeah, I think it was a long time since the last team did it. So, yeah, but um, is it, you're only, what do you think? Is it the game style they're playing? It's just no good with the, with the age of the list, though. That's what a lot of people have suggested, and I'm sort of inclined to agree with that. Oh, look, outs, injuries... 
And I think, you know, we're seeing the same effect um, as we saw with St Kilda in their later years um, once, they just, once they'd reached that same level and age group in their list and they started to deteriorate and they had no real proper succession planning. And this is, again, I think the legacy that Lyon's going to leave St Kilda. And not to say that Lyon is, you know, the coach is solely responsible for, um, you know, the recruiting um, and how the team looks at filling gaps. But, uh, you know, he's done it before and he started again. He's tried short Band-Aid fixes to win the ultimate prize, but failed what looks like to be twice in a row. So, you know, I don't know. I, I don't see this ending up well for Frio because of the gaps and because they have the issues. But they've, they do have some good players. But I think this year is going to be fairly rocky for them at this stage, the way we've seen. Mm. And speaking of St Kilda, like, I don't... I hate to kick a team while they're on the ground, you know. Well, except if it's Essendon or Collingwood or Richmond. But 36 points they scored in the last game, um, and that was Rewalt's 300 as well. That was a bit of a shock to me. Like that's the lowest score I can remember any team kicking for a long time. It was very ordinary performance. Yeah, look, I, I see. For, I see St Kilda um, as the dogs were in about 2012. So they've got a couple of good young players, but they're a mismatched uh, mesh, and there's a lot of inexperienced players there. I mean, I think um, we're talking about on the board, one one classic example of that was, uh, it was about it's in the second quarter, and uh, um, Billings, and another player, um, had the ball. They were running across through the half-forward line, um, second attack, and they had uh, Jason Johannesson in front of them. And they weren't experienced enough to draw the player to get the ball past him. They kept too close, and Johannesson was actually able to easily pick up the ball, hand pass in midair, and set up a, a forward entry into the 50, which resulted in a in a marking conversion for goal. So, you know, they got, I don't... St Kilda do have the players. Um, you know, they certainly have a list. They've certainly got a couple of good young players there, but it's timing, and they've still got a long way to go in terms of where they are for their rebuild. What about Port Adelaide, guys? Um, the, the, I mean, a year or two ago, they were they were storming in. Um, you know, they, they were the team to. You know, it was all about the fitness. It was all about their run and all about their carry. And they just, they're not there. They just, they're not there at the moment. It looks like a totally different team because um, they've just got no ball control. From what I've been looking at, they, I, I think I've watched most of both of their games, and I can't really remember any period where they. Um, really looked like they were that team a couple of years ago with that brilliant run and carry through the middle, taking the game on, dominating for you know a half a game um, entirely. It was really strange. I have no idea what the issue is there. And if I was a Port supporter, I'd be pulling my hair out as well because it really did look like they were all the way on the way up. And even after their poor um, finish to last year, people were going, well, you know, it was just a bit of an aberration. The things, the way they worked out and. Um, you know, they'll bounce back in 2016, but they haven't started that well. Um, well you I don't are think. Right. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I don't think well, that... you are right because um, you know they they only they really struggled against the Saints to beat them, and they got yeah. by Adelaide. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Their round one performance against the Saints wasn't wasn't particularly convincing either. I mean, they ran away in the end, but uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if maybe it's just a bad start to the season. They're one on one. So maybe uh, maybe they'll they'll prove the doubters wrong as we go through and and build up throughout the rest of the year. I mean, people always like to throw out that line: no one wins a premiership in in April or March. But um, mm. yeah, it could be true. So yeah, it'd be very interesting to watch how they go though. 
Well, speaking of doubters, the Gold Coast Suns went over to Perth on the weekend to beat Frio there, which is no mean feat. Um, how do you? How are we seeing Gold Coast at the moment? I mean, they're two and two. They've got good percentage. They've got Carlton this week. Every chance to beat them. <laughs> yeah, every <You> chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, that'd be really impressive. Um, I haven't seen a lot of theirs, but. Um, uh, their game so far, but uh, the way that they were moving the ball um, in the bits that I did see was was quite impressive. Well, they look like a senior team, you know, as opposed to where you occasionally see, you go thinking back to GWS and Gold Coast over the last few years, you'd see where that inexperience or lack of team synergy had really sort of come through every now and again. But um, I'm not not seeing that at all. It looks like a senior season team who's played plenty of games together, which is pr- probably the case now. Um, and they look really good. They got some real weapons in that team. And Ablett just coming out like preseason. Who needs a preseason? I'm just going to play. <laughs> Bang you all. <laughs> What's all that about? Yeah, that's like me, really. So <laughs> <laughs> that we don't get the same results. <laughs> now, Mike, the big questions for you uh, this week: the Western Bulldogs. Um, maybe a surprising some, or maybe continuing uh, on the form that they started last year. Um, what's what's going on down at uh, what's, what's what's going on down there at the Western Oval? The Kennel. Western Oval. Uh, it will always be the Western Oval, folks. This <laughs> VU University Oval crap. No, <laughs> Ballarat. Who knows? Could be Ballarat in years to come. Oh, look, I don't know. I, I don't. I think they're just picking up where they left off last season. But minus that finals game, that uh, you know, the one that that got away that they really should have nailed. I think they really just uh, picked up where they left off. It looks like it in that in that sense. Um, but you know, to look two rounds in, yes, they've had two wins. They've had a what some would call a, a good win over Frio, and some would call an expected win over St Kilda, and some would say probably on the balance of probabilities, with the amount of uh, missed shots, they should have buried St Kilda. Um, but you know, I, I don't like talking big things at this early in the season. I think you've really got to get halfway through, sort of three quarters of the way through, to really look at their consistency over the year and see if they have been consistent in their approach. But saying that, you know, I think one thing that they have understood and finally started to look at is, you know, defences win premierships. And if they can uh, really um, cut down the opposition's attempt to score goals and yet keep to that 100, 100 plus average, I think... We will see them deep into September. Um, it's good. They've, they've had some good pickups. They had a, you know, they've had a guy, Marcus Adams, who's a sort of mature rookie, um, early twenties, who's um, done killing done very my, well. Killing it in my super coach team. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, he's he's got a bit of white line fever about him. He plays like a uh, a seasoned fifty to seventy game player. He he. He doesn't doubt himself. He knows his ability. He knows his limitations, but he plays with such confidence for his uh, for his lack of experience, and he, he just comes across as another one of those. Um, I think it was similar situation with Harry Taylor and Geelong. You know, another one of those similar things that you see with Marcus Adams. Marcus Adams, and I think the inclusion of him has made a made such a big deal. And we've also got uh, Jed Adcock, who hasn't played a game yet, and he's there for the experience. Um, and then obviously we've got arguably the best intercept mark in the league, Easton Wood, and, and uh, rebounding defender Jason Johannesson. So I think we've got a really good uh, defensive lineup this year. Where you know in the, in the last year or a couple of years we've had gaps in our 
in our backline and what we've been able to score, we've always been susceptible to um, you know high high scores for the opposition. I so, think this is a big question, though, Mike. Is what's what? I don't know your list really intimately. What's your depth like, though? Because if you want to be a finals team and challenge for flags and stuff, you've got to have the backup for the players who inevitably get injured. Yeah, well, we have, well, this is a thing. We have, we do actually have backup. Um, you know, for for example, we've got Hamling, Joel Hamling. We've got uh, Fletcher Roberts, who both were regular players last season and both played very, very well. So. Hamling and, and Roberts are uh, 196, 198 centimetre um, players. Um, we've also got now Adcock to cover for Matthew Boyd if Matthew Boyd needs timeout or Robert Murphy needs timeout. Um, we've got another guy who hasn't played any games yet, Kieran Collins, who, who looks like an absolute monster um, key position backman. So I think we've got, the, we've got that depth now. We've had the problem this year, however, losing Cramery, where we've we were down a forty goal scorer or forty goal um, forward, um, and we've had Dixon out um, for a couple of weeks, and he's not back this week. He won't be back until next week, and he was uh, fifty goals last year. So there's been a bit of a dent into our um, forward line. So you know that's an area we need to, we still, we certainly need to pick up and uh, improve our conversion, which um, you know in the circumstances, wasn't great against St Kilda. Um, I think it was 13-15, which probably eight of those 15 behinds should have been goals. You know, players just doing silly things, trying to dribble a ball into goals rather than just doing the old drop punt, sure thing. So, you know, I, I think as time goes on, we get Dixon back. Um, he's, probably, he's a very, very good set shot. Um, you know, they'll start to find their rhythm. Awesome. Well, that's a, a fairly good um, summary of where the dogs are at, I guess. Are they going to win the flag this year, Mike? Oh, look, personally, personally, I don't think it's their year this year. I think if everything goes right with, with their list, with their development, and with, you know, that balance of luck that you need for everything that you're together, if that's going to happen, I think next year. So I, sh- I shouldn't be changing my avatar to the dogs then? <laughs> Well, I like to be. I, I like to play conservative when I tip the dogs. You know, obviously through past history and uh, disappointment, I don't get to. <laughs> I don't get too excited when they have, uh, you know, a good run. I was going to say that was a very um, like media coached response. By <laughs> if, it was, if it was my team, there'd be lids on the ground everywhere. Oh, yeah. I'd take them off every single container I had in the house. Yeah, that's right. Oh. Look, if we were if we were sort of if we were sort of round eighteen, round nineteen, the dogs are sitting on top with two hundred and thirty percent. I'd be saying, yeah, put us down for a grand final appearance, but you know, pencil theme perhaps for possibly a grand final. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure how know. much control you're going to have over the lid, mate. In uh, if you win next week, well, if you win this weekend, I mean, it was was it 2014? Carlton with three zip, and we were going to win the flag. Yeah, we shortened so. straight into flag favourites. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it depends. Who'd you play in your first three games, though? No, they were they were decent team. We knocked yeah. off the premier from the previous year, didn't we? Uh, Collingwood, who was strong in two thousand fourteen. Uh, no. Sorry, the the other was it the other grand finalist or something along those Fremantle. lines? Fremantle, possibly. I don't How know. do you know this shit off the top of your head, man? Well, um, two thousand fourteen <laughs> grand final was Hawthorne Freo. Uh, I, I know what that, that they were. Um, oh, I can't there was there was some some definitely high quality teams that we knocked off and it was the Collingwood game when we beat them that, that shot everyone after round three I think it was from memory 
that uh, everyone started throwing money at us and uh, we shortened into the favourites. And then we all know how that turned out. That's yeah. right. That's, that's, that's why I say with, with certainty is to uh, don't hedge your bets until we're halfway through, three-quarter way through the season. I know the odds are shorter, but at least you've got more of an indication of the consistency of the teams over the year. And, you know, your team's fortunes can change in a matter of minutes. You get a couple of massive injuries to your prime players and then bang. All I'm hearing is back to doggies. I've got like $18 in a sports bet account I've had for like 20 years. It's <laughs> going on? Them? Right. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, well, why not throw a couple of bucks? Uh, but $7.50, $7. you're not going to make a big amount of money. I think if you're going to make any money, it's for Brownlow. I think there's a guy, Jason Johannesson was 100 bucks for a Brownlow as a, as a smoky. but anyway. I've got him for the rising star, I reckon, Johannesson. Is, is, no, he's, 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 he's too old. Too old, no. He's too old for the Rising Star. Well, yeah, he's 22. I guess I'll put that money back in my Dolomite account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. put <laughs> it back in your Dolomite account. He, he, he first played in 2012, 2000, 2012, yeah, he first appeared. So, yeah, well past the Rising Star. I'll tell you what, Here's I... a good question, though. Is, um, how many how many people are going to be genuinely a shot, you reckon, this year? Of I think the there's a couple star. of standouts really early, and they were the, some of the guys who've already been given the, the nod for the, the uh, nomination. But... Um, I don't know how closely do you guys follow the other lists and uh, and the young guys there. So I think um, you got Parrish, Weedering, um, Oliver looking really good for that. But I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. Yeah, we we had another guy. We had a guy playing on on uh, Saturday night, and you know, if you had have asked me half an hour ago, I'd have been able to tell you his name, and I bloody forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I know the I know the supporters on the Western Bulldogs forum will be you know saying I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, he's number 16 for us but anyway yeah, it'll come back to me at some point when it's irrelevant but um, <laughs> yeah look you know the rising star you, you don't take anything from that you know I think it's a it's a it's a novelty award really but as a Carlton um, supporter you, you take all the wins that you can possibly get so <laughs> oh yeah no, we all, now the round that's just gone uh, they tell me is the best round to best attended round to the AFL has ever had 370 or thousand people turned out to games on the weekend um, uh, uh, and we're up like we're um, the crowds are up what four percent or something on last year are we seeing is this is, is it more attacking football that's making the game more attractive? I think so. I think um, especially after that first round that was so high scoring, I think the second round wasn't... Uh, what, there was a couple of big scores um, like Adelaide and uh, who else was there? Oh, Sydney thumped us. Um, and actually the Frio Gold Coast game, just looking now, was, was quite a high scoring game too. But um, then there was some, some more standard sort of ordinary scores that you'd see, would have expected last year. I think maybe off the back of all of the talk about how much better the game is looking from round one and the high scores there might have been a few dragged a few extra people out of their homes mm. how many what was the crowd for um sydney and carlton it was pretty healthy uh, i remember them saying the i think people were saying uh, i'm just grabbing it now but um i think they said if we got 30 or so thousand it was going to be good but um so 33,100 yeah 33 146 actually all the crowds on the uh, manuka got a good crowd for western sydney it was nearly four uh, 13 and uh, the only disappointing yeah, crowd there was probably Brisbane's at eighteen thousand, and they had they gave away a stackload of free tickets during the week. Um, they've they've got to start winning though. That's the only thing that's going to turn that around at the moment. Couple of well, round round one against Freo was surprised me. We had twenty eight and a half thousand, so that, mm. that that was a huge turnout for round one. Mm. No, I think there's um, I think there's definite signs that people are more engaged 
this year in the game. Um, what did you think of the march that Essendon did to the G for their game against Melbourne? Well, I paid absolutely zero attention to it. <laughs> so that probably tells you all you need to know about. Well, actually, <laughs> Shandon, was, sorry. Was it, was, it the, uh, was it the march for uh, no jab, no play? It was the march of, no, we never did anything wrong, but we're going to go and support people that did nothing wrong. Anyway. I don't know what it was. Yeah. No, no, I know. It was, but, I but, thought it was just anecdotal <laughs> under the circumstances. But, you know, I mean, look, you've you got to admire them and, and, and be a little bit bemused by um, the continuing uh, denial of the situation that we didn't do anything wrong and yada, yada, yada. But I could think at the end of the day, well, look, you know, there is chance and talk of a um, appeal against the decision to ban the players. So I think we just have to wait and see the outcome of that. We don't ultimately, have... I don't think they're going to be... The... Ultimately, they're not going to escape liability. This we, is the we don't have to club. understand anything, Mike. That's, no. that's the beauty of being a Carlton supporter and these people being <laughs> Essendon supporters is we don't have to understand. We don't care. <laughs> but, uh, All right. Anyway, moving along. Shandog, um, Blaine Bocorst yes. has been in the news today for... Uh, <laughs> well... For flicking his hair back for the camera. Uh, like, apparently is... <laughs> staging is back in vogue and Blaine Bocorst is the poster boy for uh, staging this week. Yeah, look, it, it wasn't a good look, and I'd say that straight up. I, I can't stand it, and the fact that a Carlton player has clearly done it or attempted to do it really makes me grind my teeth. I do find it a little funny that uh, Bolton would come out and say that it's very un-Carlton for him to uh, stage for free kicks in a team that has had Mark Murphy and Bryce Gibbs and other players who are known for, shall we say, overemphasizing things that may or may not have actually been free kicks over the years. Yeah, it's a fine line, though, isn't it, between... Don't get me wrong, they're no Shea Cockatoo Collins or anything like that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's few or, people uh, that... Alan Didex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A... I mean, making the most or, or making it very obvious that you've received high contact is, is different to pretending like you've received mm. high contact. No, I don't like either of them because I'm, no. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a good bloke. Right. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, um, I hope to never, ever see that level of... Um, acting uh, for a free kick and oh, like Jared Waite um, last, was it last, sorry the year before when he was playing for us pretended he got kicked in the face I don't know if anyone remembers that um, co- pretended he got kicked uh, was it kicked? I don't know copped something in the face while he was lying on the ground oh that's and, right yes. yeah and it was I remember the, now yeah. oh, I, I almost flew to Melbourne and took a shit on his doorstep that's just horrible <laughs> um, so you know I don't ever want to see that again I'm glad Bolton um uh, said in his presser when he was asked about it, um, we've discussed it, we moved on, that's it, that's not going to happen at Carlton. So, um, good news there. I did find it funny though, after I've admitted to all of this and, and sort of said that, yep, put, put your hand up, bow course, and, and, uh, and say, yeah, I, I did bad, I did, done did good. Um, there were, I did see some other staging that was almost as bad from Sydney players uh, during the same game as well. Unfortunately for Blaine, the uh, the commentators picked up on it in the replay and, and made a bit of a hoo-ah of it, so that's why it's come out in the media there. But I'm sure I saw a couple of uh, heads get thrown back from other players as well during that game from the other team. I think it happens a lot more than people really want to discuss, to be honest. Mm. No, I, I think you're right. Now, just moving, uh, moving along, I want to say Hawthorne 
uh, just so I can say that we mentioned them. And let's move into round three. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Suck on that, Messenger. Not turn up for another podcast. Righty. Um, Friday night, uh, Port versus Essendon at Adelaide Oval. Um, possibly not as big as it could have been. Essendon coming off a win, Port coming off a loss. Uh, how have we seen the game, guys? I think you'd have to give it to Port on this one. I, I'd be very, very supply, surprised to see Essendon, um, you know, competitive in this game. I mean, I, I do think Port are a better team than Melbourne and a little bit more consistent um, being at the Adelaide Oval. Um, yeah, I, I really don't see Essendon having much of a chance in this one. It's a, it's a early in the season, it's round three, but um, I I think it really is quite a defining game for Port Adelaide. Um, despite Essendon having picked up a win now um, and showing that they aren't just going to be a completely rubbish side that everyone is going to walk over, um, with the start that Port's had and given in putting the context of last year's failure really um, to live up to their expectations. If they drop this match against Essendon, which I don't think they will, I think they'll, I think they'll be fine. But if if it should happen, there's going to be such a who are kicked up, um, and probably rightly so as well. So I see it as a bit of a danger game for Port um, because they they really won't want the attention that comes with losing to Essendon. Mm. Well, that's a good point because you know a lot of people are talking up Port as. Um you know, back on track with their finals campaign and potential top four, um, you know, top four team. But, you know, a, a loss would be almost disastrous for, for yeah. people under the circumstances. Mm. Saturday afternoon, St Kilda have got Collingwood at the MCG. St Kilda winless so far this season. Collingwood with one win. Uh, this is make or break for Collingwood, is it? It's probably uh, far less pressure... Well, I don't, I don't know, actually. Uh, it's a good question. Look, they, they got up over Richmond. It was a great game, too. I watched that one um, from where to go, go to woe. But um, I, I don't think that um, the fans will take a loss to St Kilda too well. Um, so in that same sense, it is a bit like the Port one in that sense, but um, I think they're a lot safer to um, uh, get over the line against the Saints, given, given that St Kilda's really, really poor showing. Um, lack of firing power, scoring power against the Dogs last week. Yeah, similar similar sentiments there. I'm I'm not particularly sure, based on what I saw out of St Kilda last week, that they could pose um, a threat to Collingwood. Um, but you know, that said, they sort of did struggle against Richmond last week. But um, but then again, uh, Richmond, you know, sort of teed it off there and, and really should have won that game and put them away. So oh, I think Collingwood should win um, comfortably against Gilda. OK, Saturday afternoon as well. Richmond have got Adelaide at Etihad Stadium. Richmond, they'd want to win this, I would suspect, for their supporters. But Adelaide, they're in some form. They look good, yeah. Und- undefeated at the moment in the first two rounds, Adelaide, and having come off a really good win in the showdown. It's um, it's it's hard to see them not winning this, Mike. 
I uh, I think they actually look a lot more fluent through the midfield without Dangerfield. So I think I think don't, having Dangerfield go is probably one of those um, you know blessings in disguises because they because they can hit a target now. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> said, um, but they just seem to be going a little bit more fluently through the middle and they're setting up their forward entries into the fifties. So. I'm not convinced with Richmond. Um, you know, I, I think based on what we've seen so far, Richmond looked like to be a really mediocre side this year, and I think Adelaide um, at this stage and what they've shown um, are going to be a top six team. Oddly enough, one of the better games of the round is Saturday afternoon between Sydney and GWS at the SCG. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one as well, um, just to see how uh, how GWS because they've done quite well so far. Um, really put up a showing against such a, I think, is a super quality side in Sydney. So that's that's match of the round, I reckon, for mine. Mm. And uh, Saturday night, of course, Gold Coast play Carlton in a game that, well, Gold Coast would be well and truly favourite to win at the moment, you'd expect. Yeah, there's some surprising optimism from Carlton supporters, though, about being able to get pretty close. Um uh, I think Bolton alluded to, to a very different game style being played between the two teams. Um, I'm not 100% sure exactly where he was going with that or whether he was just uh, dribbling. But uh, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, how that all looks when it comes uh, when, it, when, the, when the ball gets uh, bounced. But um, I, I think it's going to be a comfortable Gold Coast win and, and Carlton supporters should just be looking to, uh, to see. Hopefully, I think Casey Byrne for us will come in and uh, we'll get a chance to see that young Irishman. Mm. So, yeah, just looking, looking for the sprouts, as Bolton would say. So who's going to play on Ablett? Uh, well, you know what? If we, if we have to put someone on him to cool his jets and um, Ed Kerno has done a very very good job before um, so he'd, he'd be the first choice uh, beyond that not too sure and his brother had a pretty handy debut on the weekend too Shandog uh, Charlie yeah he's uh, he's one that people have got a lot of hope for actually um, he, he managed to kick a goal in his debut game which is great he got involved a little bit but um, I think having a great start to your career like that even if he only had uh, I'm not sure how many touches he actually had but um um, just to get on the board as a forward in your debut game is a, is a good way to start your uh, career. So so well done to him, and, and hopefully he, he um, can play plenty for us. The other game on Saturday uh, is the Western Derby or Western Derby, or that game that people play in Perth, depending on where you're from, uh, between West Coast and Fremantle on Saturday evening. Um, big games these derbies all the time. They're you know comparative to the showdowns or anything Carlton Collingwood dish up. Um, how are we seeing it? That's an interesting one. Uh, West Coast uh, looked very very poor against Hawthorne. Um, it looked like they had stage fright, didn't it? They just they just really unsettled at the G um, and didn't look anything like they did the week before against Brisbane at. Uh, at uh, Domain Stadium, so I, I don't know. Look, logic says um, West Coast should win, but I've got a feeling that that uh, West Coast, uh, that Fremantle, could pull an upset. Well, they supporters are probably hoping for it because I think they need a bit of a spark, mm. um, given the the very well, just terrible start that they've had. Um, I didn't actually get to see the West Coast and Hawthorne game last week. I had other uh, things on, unfortunately. I haven't gone back to watch it yet. Um, so probably not coming from a, a place of being able to give too much comment on it, but given how they started the year and um, 
you know where where they sit in the scheme of things, I would have thought that they they'd be favourites as well. But um, yeah, I'm definitely going to try and uh, watch this one if I can. Mm. Sunday afternoon, North Melbourne, who are currently undefeated, play Melbourne, who uh, come off what some would say is a surprising loss, perhaps against Essendon. Uh, this game to be played in Hobart. Uh, where it will be like the Ice Age, I think. Although, no doubt, if I have a look, the AFL website will tell me it's going to be sunny in 18. Um, <laughs> any 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 takers on that? Yes, it will be 18 and mostly sunny there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the I think Melbourne's going to be one of those really frustrating teams this year where they're going to lose the games that everyone thinks they're going to win and they're going to win the upsets and, 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 and cause a few upsets. They just got that knack about them. So... Uh, are they going to beat? Are they going to beat the Kangaroos at Hobart? Hmm. Are they capable? They probably are, but on on current form, I'd, I'd say no. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, I think uh, North have shown some pretty good form so far, and um, I'd expect them to to just oh, realistically they should give Melbourne a bit of a toweling. But um, North haven't or have done have in in my opinion the greatest. Um, uh, reputation for being ruthless and winning the games that they should be winning. Um, a lot of players that are um, still there are probably some of the guys who are dealing with losing by a point every week, every second week uh, from a couple of years ago as well. So um, they seem to have gotten over that. So if it's a close game, it could be interesting, but I think they they should steamroll them really. Mm. Uh, the other games on Sunday afternoon, Geelong have got Brisbane at Skilled Stadium, and I know, Mike, you're thinking he skipped over an important one, but we're going to do that one last. So. No, that's Geelong, no, Geelong have got Brisbane, Brisbane there at, uh, important. <laughs> at Skilled Stadium. Um, I mean, given Brisbane's current form, you'd give them no chance to win against Geelong at Skilled, would you? Mm. Yeah, I think I think Geelong would be pretty uh, pretty sort of sore or and feeling and seething after the loss last week to GWS at the Cattery there. So I I would expect um, I would expect that uh, Geelong would lead, would win this quite comfortably. And who have they just lost for a few weeks now out of their midfield? Was it um, uh, Rockliffe is injured? Is yeah, they've got list? they've got a fairly yeah. substantial injury list. Mm. Uh, the the lines at the moment. Yeah, it is Rockliffe. Rockliffe, sorry, has just sustained calf injury, so he won't be playing. So I, I think they're, they're they've got absolutely zero chance. It's it's you, you wouldn't want to be in Justin Lepage's shoes at the moment. I don't think he's um. He, there's not a lot of hope there for Brisbane at the moment. No, Brisbane, are, Brisbane. Are, I don't know how long have they been bottling me out for now. They're uh, almost turning into another, another form of Melbourne, haven't they? But they've got Dane Beams is out with a knee for another two to four weeks. Hanley's out for another. Uh, well, he's out indefinitely with a groin injury. Matheson's got a cheekbone injury. He's out for four to six. Daniel Richards coming back from a hamstring. Uh, he may be available this week, depending on if he passes a fitness test. Mitch Robinson coming back from a calf injury. Uh, Tom Rockliffe's out for an, at least another one to two weeks. Sam Skinner for. a uh, well, no, done a knee injury, so he's gone for 12 weeks if he comes back at all this season. And uh, Josh Watts out for another six weeks. So they've got some injury problems there. And to some really key areas. Like, that's that's so many midfielders or guys mm. who, who bring the ball back through the middle and stuff. Uh, yeah, really, no, really difficult. Not that said, Geelong aren't without their own injuries. 
Uh, Scott Sell would be missing for another four weeks. Uh, Mitch Clark's four to six weeks away. Cameron Delaney's got two weeks with his knee. Mitch Duncan, who um, is probably still seeing red and white. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was brilliant. Too. That was, that made me happy, and and may, and may do for some time, to be honest. Uh, but he, he's got another two weeks before. Well, he, he's got to pass a, a test for a concussion, um, and they've got a few. Nathan Vardy, he's six weeks away. Billy Smets, he's another two to three weeks away. So they've got their own uh, injury problems there as well. Duncan is a decent out for him, but um, by and large, still Geelong's got all of those real key pillars. Um, you know, you you. You firepower up forward with Hawkins and, and whatnot, and, and their key midfielders are all in, so really should be no contest. Now, yeah. game of the round, I think, without question, is the Bulldogs and Hawthorne game, and many are touting this as a possible preview of the grand final uh, to be played later in the year, uh, where the Premiers will take... Well, the Premiers-to-be will take on the Premiers that were, in my opinion. Um, you can expect me to change my avatar shortly. <laughs> and condemn the Bulldogs to lose, probably, but um, that seems to be how my avatar works these days. Mike, um, the Dogs have got their own... Well, the Dogs have got a very small injury list at the moment. Dixon, Rovett, uh, Clay Smith, Rourke Smith. Um, not really integral to the Dogs' side at the moment, you'd say? Um, Dixon is Dixon is the one that is integral, obviously. 50-goal, um, 50-plus mm-hmm. goal scorer last year, Um so he is going to be a notable absentee. And, and, you know, to beat Hawthorne, you need to score goals. You need to kick a big score, kick over 100 mm. points. So while our, you know, we need our defence to keep doing what they've been doing, which is limiting, um, limiting their scores or limiting their, the oppositions, and this week's going to be a, a really good test to see how good our defence can stand up. On the flip side, we need to be able to make sure we convert. We, we sort of can't replicate, um, you know, the first and third quarters as we did against Kilda. Mm. So it's... I think it's going to be interesting tussle. It's going to be interesting, um, interesting game. I'm actually, I, w- I would have actually rather have seen this game at the MCG um, with a lot with the wider flanks, a lot more space. It's going to be interesting to see how um, how Beveridge. Um, plays the game of chess against Clarkson and uh, I think they both know each other very well with the strengths and balances of the teams I think you know Hawthorne is still suffering some notable outs so it's going to be one of those things that if the Dogs are going to win they're going to have to come out like they did against Frio and, and hit them hard and smash them in the first quarter to get that jump The, to- the timing on the game is pretty brilliant from uh, the Dogs perspective it's the only time they play Hawthorne this year I think so um, it's you know to catch them at a time when Rough heads out for another you know, another eleven weeks, Hodges out for another three weeks, uh, Spangers out for another three weeks, um, Shields is you know probably not going to make it back from his wrist injury this week. Bradley Hills out for another four weeks. Jack Fitzpatrick's three weeks away. I mean, the Hawks have got a significant injury list, and you know you guys are in form. It's early in the season. I'm, I, I think this is perfect time of year to get over the top of this. You're not going to have to face them again to finals. You know what's interesting too? The last five times Hawthorne and the Bulldogs have played, Hawthorne won them all by... I, I haven't done the exact sums, but I'm looking at them. looks like an average of 10 goals. Um, so if the Bulldogs can get up and beat them, that is a massive turnaround. But the yeah, thing we that... only played them once. Sorry, we only played them once last year. That was in Hobart. Yep. Um, 
uh, there before that. So we've only played. It's, it's only been really, once a year. Them once yeah. a year. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that, that was some fairly consistent drubbings there. 67, 44, 76 points, 45, 57. So all, you know, on average about 10 goals there. But the thing that is really, really interesting for me is um, while Frio is probably not known for their attacking prowess, um, the Bulldogs are still only let through 74 points in total for the first two weeks. So um, the thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing out of this game... Um, as much as anything else, is probably how well they can restrict the Hawks' scoring um, power because that'll go, obviously, a long, long way to being able to, to beat them. Um, and for a team who started so well with their team defence and, and stuff, um, to come up now against one of the arguably, arguably best-scoring teams in the comp, it's going to be great to see how they hold up against that. Yeah, well, look, let's face it. I mean, Hawthorne have been the benchmark now for a few minutes few years and I think I posted this on one of the threads that you know for us it's a it's a bit of a litmus test to find out you know to have a good an idea of where we're at you know I mean if we get smashed by Hawthorne I think we we've got to go back to the drawing board and we're not quite ready and and if we sort of stick with them or or, or give them a bit of a hiding or a beating um I think you know it's probably good to say that you know we we are on the right track you know I wouldn't I still wouldn't go around to say that you know beating Hawthorne automatically grants us right to being favourites for anything but I think it's being a, you know it's more of that case of giving the players belief that hey they you know they can beat the team that's won the last three flags and I think that's more than anything because it's on the day if you don't if the players don't have the belief they're not going to win I think if you guys win this weekend you can book yourselves in for September I think so. I think I think generally, if we you know if we win this weekend, we we are going to see ourselves deep in September um, or finish in the top four. I think, you know, the way that the predictions are going, and our friend Mr. Squig, even Mr. Squiggle, has us pinned in for a top two finish. And you know, as I said, that that's that's. Um, well, sure, know, it wasn't upside down. No. <laughs> you know, a team's fortunes can change very very quickly. So you know, we, you've got to hope that. We, we've got to hope that uh, we, we have a good list, that we don't get some bad injuries. And, uh, you know, we're, we're lucky, you know, guys like Libertore, who didn't play a game last year, has come out and picked up where he left off, hasn't missed a beat, and we've got the ever-improvement from those players. Um, gaining experience, you know, play, and uh, we, we've got these awesome finds, like, for example, Marcus Adams, who who come out of nowhere to play fantastic football and defence. So Yeah, that looks great too. We only had to pay pick one for someone who'd do that. <laughs> We're going to try and talk a little bit about women's footy every week from now on. Uh, there's obviously a lot of things happening. The Victorians Women Football League started this week. And so to talk about that, uh, each week we're going to try and get hold of Peter from girlsplayfooty.com and he's joining us now to tell us all about uh, the latest goings on there G'day, Peter. G'day, and it's great to be back. And let me just quickly state for the record, I did tip Essendon to beat Melbourne, and I did tip the Suns to beat the Dockers. <laughs> he did, he did, I remember, yes. Well, when we finish this, I need to get some more tips off you because I'm doing horribly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Peter, uh, Victorian Women's Football League started on Sunday, or Saturday, last weekend, whatever it was. How, how, how do we, we go? Well, first of all, yes and no. Just to add to the confusion is the league that actually started on the weekend was the Victorian Football League Women's. Wow. And, of course, the Victorian Women's Football League, which is now the lower division, start the week after. Just, you know, a little bit of branding confusion. Uh, but, yeah, they started um, and five games 
One close, one semi-close, three blowouts to uh, start off season 2016. OK. Now, there's also reports in the age that the AFL has is nearing... Well, it's discussing with Toyota and NAB about sponsoring the women's uh, AFL competition and the development programs for the girls, apparently. Well, that's what they're talking about, that Toyota's going to come on board as part of the extended contract. Toyota's contract with the AFL, essentially after the men's competition, uh, ends at the end of October. Uh, They're looking to extend that for three years with a two-year option after that, so to go along the broadcast deal, that will obviously cover the men's league as normal, but obviously if they chip in a bit more money, that will then cover the women's competition as well. Same with NAB. What they're trying to do is have NAB come on board, that they will sponsor the under-16s and under-18s, uh, girls competitions and that there will be a NAB rising star as well for the women's. That's part of the uh, the latest talks that are out there. Now, notice, uh, noting today as well that uh, the pot for Victoria, uh, sorry, for the national women's cricket uh, sides has doubled. Apparently, um, is, it, is this a, does this have uh, anything to do with the AFL or anything to do with uh, developments in the BBL that sort of thing? I think there's a couple of things that uh, that uh, need to add to that mix, including there was another article um, just after the uh, Women's T20 uh, World Cup um, where it talked about uh, with the next T20 World Cup is actually going to be held in Australia. And this year, how they had the men and the women uh, running together parallel. Uh, Cricket Australia were talking about splitting it up. That uh, uh, One stage of 2020 would be the men's and another stage of 2020 would be the women's. And they did flag... A February March window, and of course, guess what? That comes up against mm. the AFL uh, women's competition. So the AFL flagged it a couple of weeks ago when they talked about this vacant window in February March. And I think cricket have kind of got their back up, saying, "Well, the traditional cricket season normally goes from." October through to late February and your finals in March, so it might be a bit of cricket trying to, re- you know, reclaim its stamping ground. So that'll be a head-on battle. But also, um, the money going up probably reflects that the ratings on Fox Sports were a winner for the women's T uh, Twenty Grand Final, where Australia lost to the West Indies. The cricket ratings for women have been solid now on pay TV and free to air, so that's reflected in more money now coming into uh, into the women's game. And I guess uh, for them, they're they're battling to try and keep the likes of Emma Carney, who of course has played in the WBBL and plays for the Western Bulldogs in the AFL. And just over the weekend, just to prove the point, uh, Jess Cameron, who of course played for the Southern Stars uh, side. Um, elected not to play in the WBBL this year, um, citing that she was just mentally fatigued and, and just wanted to take a while of sport. In January, she started training with Diamond Creek, made her um, what you call state league debut, and kicked a lazy nine goals five. Jeez, that's, that's pretty handy. Now, and, just, and, just, and to say they had a bit of an influence, well, I don't know. Diamond Creek won by 150 points to kick off the season. <laughs> Ouch. I was drafted a Carlton. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell, tell her to come over and teach Casbolt how to kick, please. <laughs> now, talking of broadcasts, uh, Fox are apparently going to broadcast uh, all but one of the games for the exhibition this year, apparently. Uh, Seven are still going to broadcast the last one like they did last year, uh, but Fox are going to broadcast the list. 
uh, no, the Fox, the Fox deal actually means they'll broadcast three out of ten. Um, so what that means is um, we've already gone two so far, and that was the uh, Melbourne Bulldogs-Victoria only game. And just last week, we had the SA Red versus SA Blue game. So there's eight games to go. As you said, one of them will be definitely on Channel 7. That's the one in September. Uh, three of them will be on Fox. That is uh, West Coast versus Frio uh, happening uh, this uh, Saturday, if I'm correct. Um, then you've got, uh, coming up in May, they'll be doing the... Um, uh, they'll be doing the Melbourne versus Queensland game, and then in June they'll be doing the South Australia versus New South Wales game. Uh, the other matches, including uh, this weekend, where it's uh, Sydney versus the Giants, so essentially it's the New South Wales girls trials match, and the uh, Northern Territory versus Tasmania state game being held in Victoria, uh, they will be live streamed through the AFL website. Okay, and just lastly, the soccer, the women's soccer people, they're complaining about. The ground not being well. They complain about injuries and the grounds that they're playing on not being to the same standard as the men. It's been a been a complaint that women's soccer in the US has had as well with men's soccer. A- any implications for the AFL? Um, it's hard to tell at this stage because, um, again, we're waiting upon details of the competition to come out, including that they've been talking about fiddling around the rules about the grounds being made smaller and super goals and, and uh, how many players will be on the ground. So will that affect it? There's only 16 instead of 18. So all that's still well and truly up in the air. And, um, and the biggest concern everyone's talking about, obviously, is the February-March factor of... If these games are, for example, played as curtain races to men's matches, the men's matches are at night and they're due to start, say, at four in the afternoon during the heat of the day, and we get temperatures that are, you know, in the high 30s, which we can't have during an Australian summer, then what happens? Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge there. Mm, okay, guys, anything you want to ask Peter while he's, while he's with us? No? No, I think that was a fairly good uh, explanation there of what's going on and what's up to date. Excellent. I, 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 Sorry. I was going to ask one question of your thoughts on yeah. um, how well funded overall you think that um, how optimistic you are that, that the funding and the and the um, the growth of the um, women's legal will sort of uh, take off in the next few years. Well, if, if anything, this league won't fail. It's simple as that. As much as people are saying, oh, even if the ratings are low early or if this or if that, um, the AFL simply will not let the league close down at any stage because if they do, they essentially give up women's sport and all that funding and commercial dollars that go with it to other sports. So even if it's like a GWS, dare I say, and it's always a loss-making venture, like some of the Victorian clubs, as part of the broadcast deal, you've got to keep them alive, so therefore you get the greater deal. And I think this is the same thing with women's football. If women's, I think it will turn a profit in the end, but if it doesn't for several years, they will still keep wearing that burden and keep wearing that funding because it, for the sake of the future of the competition overall and everything else that goes with it, they've got to keep it alive. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the question is obviously... Uh, and it'll come down to how much they pay the players because, again, you've got like a Brianna Davey. Um, we'll talk about that February-March window. Brianna Davey plays, of course, in the W League as a goalkeeper and is also a gun footballer. Now, she, she, the question is, she probably won't be able to sign a marquee contract, which would make her full-time because she also has her soccer commitments, which I don't think she'll want to give up. And that soccer season at the moment goes through the end of January. Now, if that extends through to February... Then all of a sudden that clashes with football and she's like an Elise Perry situation. She's got to choose between one or the other. So um, the, the AFL, as much as they're trying to 
watch costs, so therefore it's not much of a burden on them. They can't be too cheap because all the, then all of a sudden these fringe athletes are going to, you know, look at it and go, well, do I just play two months a year in this hit and giggle footy competition or do I commit to this other sport where I can play for my country and there's things happening, there's fixtures happening all year round? Yeah, and you've got to imagine yeah. that the cultural... Um positive that happens from having a women's league that's quite prominent well um, well uh, broadcast as well means that that young girls and women who want to be into football have something there um, as well to follow and it'll only strengthen that um, uh, I guess interest in football overall which which as we know and is the whole idea of you know football these days as a business it just means more money uh, more money coming into the AFL and therefore filtering down into the women's league as well so I'd like to think that um, that perhaps despite any losses, we'll, we'll, we'll see it hang around for the long run. Yeah, I think it will be. As you said, they, they simply can't afford to lose on it. And just quickly before I go, we were talking earlier about uh, the Victorian Women's League that, uh, that that's obviously started up, the VFL Women's. Um, the game that featured Darabin versus Cranbourne, which was last year's Premier Division Premiers versus last year's Division One Premiers, um, it was just a lazy 197 points, the difference. But... <laughs> But I need to mention that something like almost half a dozen of the Darabin players actually played in the exhibition game last year. That's how powerful that club is. When you rattle off Daisy Pierce, you know, the number one player in the country, number one defender in the country, Melissa Hickey, while the top centre half forwards in the country, Katie Brennan, throwing Elise O'Day, throwing Jessica Dalpos, throwing Lauren Arnell, throwing Darcy Vessio. Um, Astro O'Connor wasn't playing, but you could almost throw her in when she's fit. Um, yeah, they're one of the most almighty powerful clubs, and poor old Cranbourne, who came up a division, got a, uh, <laughs> got a nasty welcome to state league football. Sounds like they should be aligned with the Blues. Yeah. <laughs> well, you talk about the Blues just quickly. Um, Lauren Arnell, who does play um, for Darabin and plays for the Bulldogs in the exhibition game, she's actually been appointed as the women's ambassador for Carlton, and she's actually helping them to try and spearhead Carlton's campaign to get the women's licence. Beautiful. That's good news. And any word on the PhD student at Monash that's putting together the rules? Um, I don't know. Um, they're probably working their shift right now at a Seven Eleven, for all I know. Um, no idea. That's <laughs> uh, unbelievable, isn't it? Thanks very much, Peter. You can hear Peter on Girls Play Footy Radio on the weekend, I assume, Peter? Yes, girlsplayfooty.com. We're on the TuneIn app. Find Girls Play Footy. Uh, Sunday afternoon, one thirty. we're doing Seaford versus Cranbourne. Two sides who got touched up over the weekend. One of them. One of them will finally win in round two. And just before you go, Peter, what are you looking forward to the most on the weekend, mate? Uh, I am looking forward to hopefully finding shelter and not getting rained on. <laughs> Thanks very much, Peter. All right, guys, That's let's, uh, let's uh, bring it into the home straight and finish this off. What are you looking forward to the most on the weekend, Mike? Uh, well, that's the obvious, um, the dogs and Hawthorne clash. But with that, um, a good segue into that conversation is don't forget viewers or listeners, it is Kids Getting Free Sunday this weekend. So if you are a dog supporter or a Hawthorne supporter and have kids, get them down there and get them free. And so Eddie had too, so f- cheap pie day as well. Eddie That's had right, cheap pies, cheap entry. What more could you ask for? Last day of school holidays. Come on, parents, get them down there. You should have a cheek. Might even be kick to kick after the siren day as well. That will. That's right. They just had the advertisement on TV that it will be kick to kick as well. So, Shandog, what are you looking forward to on the weekend, mate? Uh, actually, I'll start with what I'm not looking forward to, and that is uh, finishing work on Saturday evening. 
hoping that it's in time for me to break all sorts of speed and um, traffic laws to get home in time to watch the Carlton and Gold Coast match. Um, that's going to cost me. But to be honest with you, um, the the Richmond and Adelaide game is probably one I'm very, very interested in. And um, I just can't wait to uh, be able to watch that on a replay, obviously, because I'm going to miss the game. But uh, that follow, following up um, a big Saturday of, uh, with my team playing, obviously, Richmond and Adelaide, and then Sunday uh, kicking back watching the Bulldogs and Hawthorne. It's going to be brilliant. Mm, I'm looking forward to Hawthorne getting the absolute shit kicked out of them by <laughs> the Western Bulldogs. They are going to get towed. I am going to be cheering it hard for those dogs. It is going to be a victory of epic proportions. Even so we're going to see... Messenger on Hacious for quite some time. We may never see Messenger back on the pod. He may <laughs> join Seppo overseas. Isn't it funny how Seppo, <laughs> no one has seen or heard from him since uh, this 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 bout of lossing started happening. You know, no one's seen or heard from him since the grand final. And, uh, you know... Perhaps he saw something that we didn't see coming. May, maybe he saw the seven years of famine coming after the, after last year. But I think Messenger might be in the same boat. He's a bit queasy. He's a bit uncertain. You know, just... He'll turn up in round 15 or 16, whenever they play Carlton, and, you know, <laughs> be all be all talking, you know. Oh, look at me. I never went anywhere. Anyway. <laughs> That's about it from us this week, guys. Thank you very much for your time and participation. Thank you very much for listening if you've got this far. If you have any feedback, uh, please forward it to Messenger um, I'm sure he'll be delighted to hear from you ask him where he's been when he's coming back and or any other questions you might have about the podcast Following that um, we'll see you all on the forums thanks very much Mike thank you once again and thank you very much Shandog no thank you it was a pleasure and thanks very much to Peter uh, from Girls Play Footy who was also with us just before and like I said we'll see you all on the forums